All right. You want to go ahead and uh, read the thing? I'm going to go ahead and read the thing. The shark. A vicious killer searching the shorelines for unsuspecting prey. They strike without warning, tearing people apart in seconds before slinking back beneath the waves, waiting to kill again. They know no mercy, no fear, and will stalk their prey for miles, waiting to ambush and kill over and over again. They are mindless, they are terrifying, and they will maliciously devour you as soon as you intrude in their domain. And all of that is wrong. But due to fear-mongering like that, these incredible and vital animals are being hunted to extinction. Sharks have been around for 400 million years, and over the last 50, we've destroyed 70% of their population. Not 50 million, 50 years. So why does this matter? They're vicious predators, right? Why should we care? Well, because without sharks, human beings will suffer and starve, our oceans will lose what's left of their delicate balance, and we will lose something irreplaceable and, dare I say, beautiful. So in this episode of Relative Disasters... We're going to look at the steep decline of the global shark population, why it's happening, and why it matters. Welcome to Relative Disasters, the show where my sister and I manage our existential dread by talking about terrible and interesting historical events, their context, implications, and any related sidebars we feel like discussing. I'm Greg, chair of the Elasma Bronchi Department here at Relative Disasters University. And my name is Ella, and I am the chief megalodon procurement manager here at Relative Disasters Corporation. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Okay. So, a bit of background. You know, we like to start at the beginning. So, sharks have been around for a little over 420 million years. They originated, for those of you keeping score, before many dinosaurs. And they are still around. Mm -hmm. Most surviving orders uh, date back to the Cretaceous or even earlier. So we're talking about an animal that is almost unchanged since before the extinction of the dinosaurs. You know, when you got a good design, you don't mess with it. It's true. So there are over 500 different species of sharks, uh, ranging in size from the dwarf lantern shark which is about 17 centimeters long. It's about six and a half Horrifying. inches. Tiny, Horrifying. Tiny and adorable. Horrifying. To the whale shark, which average around 12 meters, around 40 feet long. Those are pretty awesome. Whale sharks are amazing. Sharks range all over the world. They exist in every ocean. They are a top predatory species, perfectly adapted to life in the ocean. So if they're so great at everything... Why are they dying out? Well... Is it us? Is it our fault? It's absolutely our fault! Oh, man! You and me both. The number one killer of sharks are, are two mm -hmm. things. One is overfishing, and two is a concerted <laughs> disinformation effort. Um, <laughs> and, and, and I don't think that the... I think that both of these are not intentionally malicious people overfish because fish are delicious and you know we want to have as many of them to eat as possible mm -hmm. and sharks are scary and so we like to watch movies about killer sharks and read books about killer sharks and watch shark week which has you know a thousand sharks will kill you shows and very very little science and both of those things working together have caused, uh, as we said in the introduction, since 1970, shark populations have been reduced by over 70%. That's wild. Right now, an estimated 100 million sharks are killed by commercial and recreational fishing every year. Jeez. Yeah. In contrast, <laughs> the number of shark attacks last year was four. Yeah, I knew it was less than 150 million, but... Yeah, 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 yeah. As we saw in the documentary film Jaws, <laughs> so it can happen to anyone who is floating in the ocean in a tiny swimsuit. So we're going to we're gonna talk about Jaws? Yes. That's where I was trying to lead you in that direction. Yeah, we're going to talk about Jaws, but we're going to talk about Jaws in a minute. We're not going to talk about Jaws okay. just yet. Gotcha. 
Yeah, that's in the propaganda section. That's in the, yes, that's in the intentional propaganda I got section. You. We're going to talk got about you. I fishing see where you're first. Going. So perfect. The two the two major things the two major fishing things that are killing off the sharks mm-hmm. are overfishing of their prey species, which is a gigantic gigantic part of it. But the other part of it is shark fishing. Sharks mm-hmm. are often killed for shark fin soup, mm-hmm. and they're not, like, killed. They don't grab the whole shark, kill it, divvy up its meat for other dishes, and then hang on to the fin for shark fin soup. They usually do what's called cap spearing, or mm-hmm. um, or simply dragging a line for them, and drag the the shark up towards the boat and then cut off its fin and then dump it back in the water. Still alive. Yes. Now, the reason that they okay. do this is because... I'm not a fan of sharks. Yep. And you know that I'm uh, yeah. afraid of sharks and have been my entire life. <laughs> yep. I don't eat shark fin soup. No. And even I am extremely uncomfortable with that. Yeah mental image yeah it's real bad yeah it's real bad because the reason that it's done that way is so more sharks come over no no it's so that you know carrying a bunch of shark fins instead of a bunch of sharks is much easier and more profitable oh i just am so uncomfortable with this idea the the last time that we were able to get figures on this was about 2009 where shark fins sell for about $300 a pound. Mm-hmm. And uh, poachers illegally fin millions of sharks a year. And here's the thing. There are laws in place to protect sharks from this. It's just nobody enforces them. Mm-hmm. With a few exceptions. Uh, and we're going to talk about the few exceptions. People that are most closely linked to viewing sharks not as you know vicious man-eating machines, but as things that are absolutely vital to the ocean, are people of Polynesian origin and descent. Hey! And Hawaii is the first U.S. state to prohibit the possession, sale, trade, or distribution of shark fins. So... That's so interesting. That's So it's legal good. in the rest of the U.S.? Like in the continental U.S.? Well, I figure Wisconsin's going to have some... Difficulty? No, they're going to have some kind of special cheese and beer sauce that goes on shark fins. Truth. Most shark fin soup is consumed in various places in China, Taiwan, Southeast Asia. Okay, but I live on the East Coast in the U.S., and I know I've seen it on menus here. Is that genuine shark fin soup, or is it some kind of weird fake shark fin? It's always like $100. I've never tried it. Why is it here if shark fin... Fishing is illegal. That is an excellent question. In the United States, Hawaii, Washington, Oregon, California, Guam, the Northern Mariana Islands, those have all banned the sale and possession of shark fin. But not Wisconsin, huh? Illinois. Not New York. Illinois. Illinois has? (laughs) Had been a large importer of shark fins. No way. And is the first non-Pacific state to implement a ban on shark fins. And in 2011, President Obama signed the Shark Conservation Act, which closed Mm -hmm. a bunch of loopholes people use to obtain shark fins. And California banned the possession and sale of shark fins in 2011, Hmm. including one of my favorite court case names. Shark versus California. I've seen that. United States v. approximately 64,695 pounds of shark fins. (laughs) You are kidding me. That is a 2008 (laughs) decision of the United States Courts of Appeal for the Ninth Circuit. It concerns civil forfeiture, so it's not, like, super interesting. Basically, the whole case revolved around a U.S.-flagged but Hong Kong-based ship that the Coast Guard stopped and searched, and on board they found 32.3 tons of shark fins. Each in a tiny suit, with, each ready to litigate. Without any corresponding shark carcasses. So each with a lawyer. That's illegal. And, and they sued. So uh, the federal agents filed charges against the owner, operator, and captain of the ship. They mm-hmm. sought forfeiture of the fins, and then... It was later determined 
that the seizure was illegal. The, the seizure was illegal. The seizure. Um, Not the shark fins. Here's, okay. here's why. Okay. The ship's activities did not meet the definition of a fishing vessel under the Magnuson-Stevens Fishery Conservation and Management Act. Yeah, more of a poaching mission. Exactly. We weren't fishing, sir. We were stealing. Since this wasn't, by definition, a fishing ship, the fins could not have been lawfully seized. They had a good lawyer. That. They had a really good lawyer. That is what the law that President Obama, that law closed those loopholes, the Shark Conservation Act. You can't do that anymore. Uh, if you Good are caught him. with shark fins, you going down. But yeah. So, you know, fantastic court name, United States v. Yes. approximately 64,695 pounds of shark fins. It's uh, very compelling. But a very Love sad, it. a very sad ending for that. So. All right. All right. Back on track. Uh, so shark fin soup has a lot of ethical concerns. Uh, first of all, finning is just the worst. It will kill yep. the shark. The shark yep. will not die right away. The shark will sink and slowly drown, being unable to swim without its uh... fins. And, you know, it's sort of the equivalent of serving, like, I don't know, human left foot soup. If humans had to run everywhere they went and something grabbed us, cut off our left foot, you know, we're, we're not going to run as effectively and then we can't breathe and then we die. So that's what winds up happening with Yikes. shark fin soup. It is popular in China, Taiwan, Southeast Asia. The shark fin itself, and this is the part that is just mm -hmm. the worst, it's only used to provide texture. The taste itself comes from the other mm -hmm. ingredients in the soups. So it is like so thoroughly pointless. If you are eating it for the taste, you're not tasting it. You're tasting the rest of the stuff in the soup. So why are you eating it? It is a status it's symbol. Just gets That's about it. Sadder and sadder. This has to be the saddest soup it's, it's on pretty any bad. menu anywhere. So okay. there are shark fin soup substitutes, which is pretty yeah, there great. Are. Uh, there's imitation shark fin soup. I think I feel like Jello should have a product for this. Yeah, the, basically the the imitation stuff uses like cellophane noodles or you know mm -hmm. more gelatinous e sort of things. There's mock shark fin soup, which uses like edible that. mushrooms, kelps, seaweeds, that sort of stuff. It's pretty great. In San Francisco, there's a seafood company that makes a an imitation shark fin using algae derived ingredients. Hey, so, we've gone all the way down the food chain. Yeah, so it's, you know nice. what? If you want shark fin soup, buy the fake stuff, because it's pretty great. However, it is illegal, <laughs> in at least in Hong Kong, to sell mm -hmm. fake shark fin soup without expressly saying that it is fake shark fin soup. So oh, so if you're going to sell it... I feel it, like that there should be a loophole there, you <laughs> <right>. know? <laughs> so... That's that's shark fin soup. So shark fin soup is pretty bad. From 1996 to 2000, the last time that we had really great numbers on this, there was an estimated 38 million sharks killed per year uh, just to fin them. So that's 38 million sharks every single year for their fins. And there are some real problems, uh, real health problems with consuming shark fins and, in fact, shark meats. They have a neurotoxin <laughs> in their fins. Of course they do. They're mindless death machines. No, they're Come not, on. actually. We're going to get to the mindless death machine <laughs> thing a bit. I will not have you slandering them yet. We're getting there. I am deep in my propaganda. Don't try to get okay. me out. So there is, a, there is a substance called BMAA, which is a very mm -hmm. long sciencey name that I cannot pronounce. It's an amino acid, basically, that's produced by uh, cyanobacteria. And it is a neurotoxin. So if you eat a bunch of shark fins, you're going to have a neurodegenerative disease. Like, Can good I job, guys. Can I just ask a design question here? Sure. Uh, the dangerous part of sharks is the pointy teeth. Oh, yeah, have, absolutely. Right? Why do they need a neurotoxin in addition to the hundreds and hundreds of pointy to teeth? To keep people from eating their fins. And the other thing is that sharks, because sharks eat 
obviously so much fish. Right. The levels of mercury in shark flesh for people who do eat things like shark steaks and stuff like that is incredibly mm. high. So they're actually mm. pretty dangerous to eat. So basically just don't eat any part of the shark. Yeah, I'm That's that's your best bet. I was having a shark sandwich and you've totally put me I'm off so sorry to ruin your, your shark appetite. I was going I'm for like shark gonna... appetite. And I missed <laughs> shark appetite. It doesn't work because I'm a human. Right? So the second thing that contributes to the worldwide decline of sharks uh, is shark culling. So Mm-mm. the culling of any species is uh, a government declares that a species is dangerous, so uh, they're going to kill back its population. Most shark culling uh, takes place in Australia and mm-hmm. South Africa. And is it by species or do they just go after any shark? Uh, it's mostly any shark. Basically, when it's done, it's done to kill sharks that are coming into human swimming areas. Right. Now, this seems on its surface like it makes sense. We don't want sharks swimming around where people are swimming, right? Like, that's just... I'm not even going to make that argument. You don't want sharks swimming around where people are swimming. You don't want that. That is bad. Unfortunately, culling isn't an incredibly good way of keeping people safe from sharks. Mm -hmm. So in Australia, for example, they'll use shark nets. Right. Shark nets are garbage because they will grab anything that swims into them. And once a, a fish gets tangled in that, they can't you know, keep swimming so they can't breathe, so they die. And once a mammal gets tangled in that, they can't surface, so they die. For example, between September of 2017 and April of 2018, 10 critically endangered gray nurse sharks, 7 dolphins, 7 green sea turtles, and 14 white sharks uh, were entangled in the nets and killed. In total, between 1950, when the nets were first put out, and 2008, 352 tiger sharks and 577 great white sharks were killed in the nets. During this period, a total of 15,000 other marine animals were killed in the nets, including whales, rays, dolphins, dugongs, and turtles. More than 5,000 turtles. So sure, they caught about 900 sharks to kill 15,000 other animals. And here's the other kicker for these netted, for these shark nets. Mm -hmm. (laughs) In New South Wales, 65% of shark attacks occurred at beaches that had shark nets. They don't work. All they do is tangle up marine life and cause them to die they don't actually keep people from getting hit by sharks. Yeah, I think we need to rethink shark nets. Yeah. Now, the other main thing is this really awful thing called a drumline. So a drumline is, simply put, a very large hook with bait on it that is just set down. Mm -hmm. And it's not manned. It's not going to be pulled in by anybody. It is just there to catch a shark, immobilize it, and cause it to die. Is it attached to it? It's attached to – it's anchored to the seafloor. Okay. So – So it's just like a hook on the seafloor? So it's got – no, it's not a hook on the seafloor. Basically, you've got a, like a, a, a buoy and then mm-hmm. they bait the hook and it's anchored to the seafloor with, you know, some kind of heavy object so that the shark swims up to the bait, takes the bait, gets hooked – and then is not mm-hmm. hauled in, just thrashes around until it dies. Oh, man. Yep. Okay. Drumlines are commonly deployed in coastal areas where they see a lot of sharks. There is a new kind of drumline called a smart drumline, which is actually... <laughs> is it worse? It sounds No, worse. it's actually a lot better. Okay. Uh, drumlines, basically, they also have a lot of bycatch. Mm-hmm. A smart drumline, so smart is an acronym... It stands for Shark Management Alert in Real Time. Specific. They started to come into use in uh, 2015, 
And mm-hmm. what they do is they are basically like a, a regular drum line, but when something gets hooked, it sends a signal to the coastal rangers who can then mm-hmm. attend to the device if they can get to it. So instead of them just hooking a shark and the shark thrashes around until it dies, it hooks the shark. People go out and unhook the the drumline from the shark. Oh, man, I would not want that Not jump. literally, like, swim down, unhook it from their jaw. No, 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 no. It, it's, <laughs> Open up. It, they, they, can, they can do a, a retractable thing on it. Okay, nice. And then tag the shark, and then they'll, they'll relocate the shark and release it. And what this does is it cuts down the mortality rate by 90%. Nice. There's some controversy here. Smart drum lines are not proven to reduce shark attacks. They're not proven to be any better for the sharks other than, Mm -hmm. like, you know... Not killing them? Not killing them immediately, but, like, some species, even when they're not killed immediately, they'll get released and then they'll die later because they're... They're so traumatized, honestly, by the experience that they can't function very well. The thought of a traumatized shark is somehow more terrifying than... Yeah, when sharks when sharks deal with mental trauma, they tend not to go, you know, jaws on people. They tend to swim in circles and stop eating and starve to death. Oh, please don't make me feel bad right? for trauma sharks. Oh, that's horrible. Okay. So that's shark culling, the, the systematic killing of sharks. Hooray. Horrifying. Let's talk about the number one killer, though, which is uh, by far. Hollywood. It's overfishing. Oh. Sorry. We're going to get We're going to get there. <laughs> we're going to get there. I'm just so excited for the Hollywood I know. Part. It's going to be Okay. Fun. Overfishing. So overfishing is simply defined as when you remove fish from the water too quickly for the population to repair itself. Okay? Right. So... You can overfish anywhere. If you've only got like two fish in the pond out back and you haul them both in, you've just overfished your pond. What we're talking about here, though, are like the massive overfishing going on in the oceans. Um, Mm -hmm. First of all, it's not really a secret that ocean fish are just full of mercury right now. And it's not really a great idea to eat a ton of them right now. 34% of the fish populations that are essentially prey populations that we, Mm -hmm. we fish for and that sharks and other, you know, animals eat 34% Mm -hmm. of them are overfished. Jeez. And what that means is that we can literally exterminate entire species of fish if we don't knock this nonsense off Mm -hmm. and most governments around the world have issued orders about overfishing and the thing is is that the fishing industry is also getting crippled by overfishing for example in 2008 the un reported that the world's fishing fleets so every fisherman all over the world Mm -hmm. all total loses about 50 billion dollars each year yikes because of overfishing So Hmm. fisheries management is a good way to counter this. You can keep track of of the kinds of fish that have been overfished and work on getting getting other species. And this is the major correlating statistic. Since 1970, where we have seen the decline of sharks by over 70%, Mm -hmm. fishing has increased by a factor of 8. Oh, yikes. As a consequence, three quarters of shark species are now threatened with extinction. Those are some big numbers. Those are some large numbers. They're a little too big. It's a little hard to, like, you know, put that in perspective. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to boil it down to a a super simple one. Tuna. Okay. Tuna, right? Everybody knows tuna. The little tunny is the most common type of tuna in the Atlantic Ocean, okay? It is also known Mm -hmm. as the false albacore, or little tuna, Mm. okay? It is a wildly populous fish. There are no concerns about this thing going extinct. It's doing great. It's doing excellent. All right. Finally, a ray of hope. Right. You're going to ruin it now. Little tunny used to migrate... (laughs) 
into this area of the Adriatic Sea called the Gulf of Trieste. Okay? Mm -hmm. It had been going there for centuries and caught by the locals there and comprised a major part of the local diet. The last time that they were able to make a, a major tuna catch of these mm -hmm. was in 1954. Uh-oh. That was a while ago. One of the most populous tuna species in the world. And these people who used to subsist on it haven't gotten it in 80 years. Does that have to do with migration patterns? It has to do with them, with them deciding that they were going to actively fish it. Like instead of people going out in boats and catching what they were going to eat, it was mm -hmm. gigantic trawlers going out and pulling in, you know, 400 tons of them at a time. And then all of a sudden, mm -hmm. they just didn't exist there anymore. Huh. Kind of cool. Kind of horrifying yeah. as well. Yeah. All right. A little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. So those are the three major reasons why sharks are going extinct. Their habitat is being irreplaceably changed by human beings. The mm -hmm. food that they eat is being overfished. And people are actively pursuing them to kill them either for sport or their fin or... In some cases, their meat. Mm. So the question becomes that of why? Why are people doing this? And it's pretty easy to to um, to look at sharks as extremely dangerous because, spoiler alert, they are extremely dangerous. You don't want to go sure. swimming with you know a great white shark, and you certainly don't want to go swimming with an oceanic white tip shark. Those guys are yikes. There are basically four shark species that are considered to be extremely dangerous to humans. The oceanic white tip, the great white, mm -hmm. the tiger, and the bull shark. Those are my favorite because they can swim into fresh yes. water as if you don't have enough nightmares. Bull sharks can yep. swim into fresh water, which is pretty mm -hmm. neat. Is it though? I feel like there are some rules that sharks should follow <laughs> and one of them is staying in the ocean. Yes, yes. It's a basic form of It's common, common courtesy. courtesy, bull sharks. Don't do that. Yep. Don't do that. It's so rude. So okay. here's another interesting factoid that you might not have known. Uh, most sharks mm -hmm. are apex predators. Great white sharks mm -hmm. are not. What? You say? What do you mean great white sharks aren't apex predators? Great white but sharks. But they eat us. Great white sharks uh -huh. <laughs> are predated on by orcas. And orcas have the most like brutal way of taking down a white shark. They just slam into its gills going like 12 miles an hour in a full rush mm. and basically beat the shark to death and then they eat it. That is pretty metal. It's pretty okay. metal. Orcas are great. And not all sharks eat, you know, the, the standard carnivore diet. Basking sharks, whale sharks, and megamouth sharks all filter feed plankton. Mm-hmm. So the largest shark in the world uh, is is a gentle plankton eater. Whale sharks are great. They are. They're my favorite sharks. They are awesome. There are some other sharks that have very specialized feeding behaviors, like the horrifying cookie cutter shark. Okay. Do you know anything about these guys? I know that they will bite you in a completely round yeah. circle. Yeah, that's what they yeah. do. They they. But don't they also like try to climb inside bigger fish and eat them from the inside? No, or am no. I you're thinking, thinking of, you're thinking thing. of another horrifying thing. No, the way that the way that okay. cookie cutter sharks go on is basically mm -hmm. they they use their lips to make a seal mm -hmm. on an animal, and then they whip their body around in a circle mm -hmm. and drag their teeth around to pull off like you know the cookie cutter thing they're horrifying i they're horrifying. think they should have a different name because like cookie cutter conjures up images grandma's of house putting on an apron yeah, and exactly. making sugar cookies nope. with grams nope. yeah nope. this is like horrifying circle that doesn't seem what's shark. going on yeah, here no okay okay sharks are also instrumental in keeping the uh squid populations down yeah we without, don't want too many of those guys. it's honestly it's true uh without sharks to predate on them very aggressive species like the humboldt squid could completely mm -hmm. overrun entire ecosystems and while we have the image of sharks as like you know the solitary hunter a lot of sharks uh -huh. actually will cooperate with each other and really and yeah, um there are some that hunt in packs and some that mm -hmm. hunt in family groups, and they tend to be migratory. 
uh, working their way around the ocean with each other, looking out for each other. And here's the thing about predation, shark predation specifically, but animal predation in general. The reason that predation mm-hmm. is ultimately a good thing is because the role of a predator in an ecosystem is to knock off the infirm or sick or weaker examples of a species so that the rest of the species can thrive. The shark gets a meal, the rest of the species isn't devoting resources to keeping one of them alive. It's kind of heartless, It's incredibly heartless, and human beings (laughs) are such social animals that we don't like that at all. But it is an incredibly, incredibly important part of managing any ecosystem. If you've got if you've got a deer with a broken leg mm-hmm. so it can't run away from the wolves, then the wolves eat and the deer doesn't. And that's kind of how it goes. But that deer is a special individual and it has strong family ties with the other deer. Maybe it babysits. Maybe it, babysits. Maybe it sings. You don't know. <laughs> well, uh, right. and then you flip that on its edge. And, and what? who are we to say that wolves should starve to death, right? So this is the thing. Sharks got to eat, man. Now, there are some... Some sharks that can be downright, dare I say, friendly? Friendly is the wrong word. I, I'm i not comfortable Friendly with... is absolutely okay. the wrong word. They've got too many teeth for a word like friendly. Well... You could, you could do amiable. Amiable. Maybe. Let's go amiable. Um, black okay. tip reef sharks. Let's start mm-hmm. there. In direct contrast to the, uh, to the oceanic white tip shark, black tip reef sharks are basically like... You know, they're the they're the shy guy sitting at the edge of the party. They very, very, very rarely bite humans. And when they do, they generally spit them out. Yeah. Very, very, <laughs> very quickly. You're not selling me on the black tip reef shark, I'm sorry. They will swim away from humans. Uh-huh. And also there's never been a fatal shark attack with a black tip reef shark. Like ever. Okay. Now if you run around with, you know, a stake hanging off of you, they might bite you. But generally, they just, they're very shy and they want to be left alone. Hmm. So let's talk about fear. Sure. Actually, before we do that, let's talk about intelligence. So sharks are actually fairly intelligent animals. They have exhibited curiosity mm-hmm. in family groups there has been behavior resembling play documented in the wild. They have a brain-to-body mass ratio that is similar to mammals and birds. Mm-hmm. Also, there was a, a really neat study published in 2013 called Social Learning in Juvenile Lemon Sharks, which showed that lemon sharks, which are one of, one of our less hostile... Are they amiable? <laughs> One of our more amiable shark species. (laughs) They can use observational learning when investigating an object in their environment. So that's really cool. That's weird. Okay. Yeah, that is super cool. As long as they're not learning to like sprout legs and come up on land and eat us all. Right. That is not a thing. That is not a thing. Well, I've seen some movies. So like nurse sharks, lemon sharks. Eh. Don't go swimming with tiger sharks though. They'll, they'll, They'll bite you. All right, so let's talk about Greg, human relationships not, to sharks. What about me makes you think that I would go <laughs> swimming with any type of shark ever? I would honestly, I would love to go swimming with a whale shark. Would you? I would love to. Are you kidding me? Like, to be dwarfed by a something that big and it's not going to bite me? I'm here for that. You don't know that it's not going to bite it you. It can't bite me. It's it could have been eating me. krill all this time, and then you swim by, and it's like, you know what? You know what? I'm done. I've heard from my cousins that <laughs> humans taste excellent. Okay. So let's talk about human relationships with sharks. And this is one of the reasons why it's so hard to protect sharks. So if we go back in history, mm-hmm. our view of sharks, like they're like a slasher movie villain to us. They have very creepy eyes. They do have very creepy eyes. They have eyes. skin that will hurt you, and they have a lot of teeth, Absolutely. Greg. Absolutely. It's not hard to see where that attitude comes from. So this is what's interesting, though. This sort of view of them as something to be incredibly afraid of is actually Mm. fairly recent. Really? Yeah. The major precipitating event in the United Mm -hmm. States and for a lot of Europeans was 
the Jersey Shore Shark Attacks of 1916. Which will be an episode on this show someday. Will it? Because I'm going to do it in brief right here. Basically, in 1916, between July 1st and July 12th, four people were killed and one person was injured in a series of shark attacks. Mm -hmm. They were most likely done by white sharks and bull sharks. Mm -hmm. But this level of panic that this caused was unseen before basically sharks this is going to sound weird to our listeners sharks were seen as pretty much harmless by sailors throughout most of maritime history i mean you wouldn't want to you know go jumping in the water with one but if you saw sharks out in the water it wasn't that big a deal and after this public opinion went to the other extreme where sharks mm. were just non-stop killing machines and ruthless, murdering, evil animals. Hmm. Uh, this only got worse with the publication in 1974 of the book Jaws. So One of my favorites. It is, it is a great book. Uh, well, it is a good book. It's by Peter Benchley. It's a... It's a little trashy. It's, it's a, a little, little weird. Yeah, if you've side. only ever seen the movie... The book is a little weirdly trashy. Yeah, that's a good that's a good description of it. And then of course, the film adaptation in 1975. Now, I've I've read uh some interviews with Peter Benchley that came out in the 90s and the yes, early 2000s yes. where he completely talks about regretting because the impact that Jaws had on popular culture really can't be overstated. Uh, both, both. It was a summer movie. Everybody. It saw was it. the first summer blockbuster. Yeah, it yeah. was. It made four hundred and seventy-two million dollars at the box office, which is like a dollar for every actress eaten by the robot shark. Uh, the robot shark actually had a lot of troubles. We could talk about Jaws as a, as its own disaster, <laughs> but uh, the Jaws film was. It was huge. It was so big, like, we, we don't even think about this. The Jaws film invented the summer blockbuster. Blockbusters yeah. were usually released in, in the fall or the spring before this because people were reasoning that people wouldn't go into the, uh, into the movie theaters in the summer. So mm -hmm. this film rewrote film history. It also caused a huge, huge amount of trouble for sharks. There is an actual real-world consequence to this called the mm -hmm. Jaws effect. <laughs> oh my god, it has its own Which effect. not only led viewers to be afraid to go into the ocean, it reduced beach attendance in 1975. And more people claimed to be spotting sharks than ever before. Mm -hmm. Plus... Obviously, the shark in Jaws is not a not a friendly shark. He is not an amiable shark. He is not amiable. Okay. So it really perpetuated a lot of negative stereotypes about sharks and their behavior, causing the Jaws effect, where a bunch of fishermen, sport fishermen and tourists, would go out on their boats and kill thousands of sharks in shark fishing tournaments hmm. the the jaws effect is responsible for a lot of the uh the sort of terror of the great white that we run into these days and as you had alluded to before peter benchley really regretted the effect that jaws had on sharks first of all he said that he would not have written the original novel had he known what sharks were really like in the wild. Mm -hmm. And of course, people trying to conserve sharks. <laughs> it's really hard to get funding for your Let's Save the Shark project when the public believes that sharks are Jaws, right? Mm. So if you're trying to get funding for a, you know, a study on how to best keep people and, and sharks safe from each other... Mm -hmm. uh, Jaws didn't help you at all. Bummer. Peter Benchley was quoted also as saying, quote, The shark in an updated Jaws could not be the villain. It would need to be written as the victim. For worldwide, sharks are much more oppressed than the oppressors. End quote. Yeah, that's a good point. He came to really, really regret that. And Steven Spielberg also came to regret his, his effect as well. So between Jaws 
and the the worsening public opinion about sharks in general, Mm -hmm. we now come to another real bad public opinion problem. In July of 1988, the Discovery Channel began airing Shark Week. Which was a huge hit right from the beginning. It cannot be stated how big a hit Shark (laughs) Week was, man. The, the intent behind Shark Week was to have shark-based programming devoted to conservation efforts and correcting misconceptions about sharks. Really? Yes. If you watch, that was their original mission That was the original shark mission Week? of Shark Week. If you watch... Oh, Discovery Channel. The first probably two or three, 1988, 89, 1990 or mm-hmm. so, there are, there are definitely some of the... Some programs called Caged in Fear... But sharks are a friend of the well, sea. Well, here's here's a few titles: sharks, uh-huh. predators, or prey. Sharks of a different color, uh, which which looked into five hundred different species of sharks, and uh, mm. one of my favorites called "The Shark Takes a Siesta," which is all about how sharks always need to keep moving, so when they sleep, they're still moving. It's pretty great. I need to see that it's, right now. It's really great. However, over the years, the Discovery Channel, which you know. They need to make money just like every other large corporation needs to make money. So they noticed, obviously, that the more shock value, the more shark attack focused stuff they got, Mm -hmm. the more people tuned in. So surprising because, you know. Exactly. Humans tend to be so much more thoughtful Thoughtful and and reasonable uh, than that. Critical about their entertainment. Okay. Oh, that's a surprise. So in their pursuit of being able to make more money for more ads... Yeah. The science was very quickly pushed to the side, and they tend to focus on the more sensational things, including some programs with titles like Great White Serial Killer, which had to do with two shark attacks at the same beach two years apart. But could it be the same shark? No, no. Uh, The top 10 deadliest sharks. Mm -hmm. And then it all sort of culminated in what is, you know, probably the worst thing that they've done. And I don't say that lightly. (laughs) A, A film in 2013 mm-hmm. that they purported to be a documentary called Megalodon the Monster Shark Lives. Yes. Okay. Every time I go into the ocean, Greg, I think is today the day is a megalodon going to pop out of nowhere? No, because megalodon has yet. been dead for over two and a half million years. That's what they said about the coelacanth, and it popped up. Yes, because the coelacanth is a completely different type of fish. If megalodons exist... Oh, God. Do we have to do this? So, megalodon was the largest shark that ever lived. So toothy. It, it, yes, its name means rather large tooth. Mm-hmm. It was a shark that could have possibly been anywhere from 40 to 60 feet long. And it was an absolute apex predator. It fed on whales. So this is how we know that they're not still around. Whales exist. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) There's, there's, if dear listeners, if you're interested, there is a plethora of information out there about why the Megalodon could not possibly exist. But in 2013, the Discovery Channel literally lied to people by saying that Megalodon, the monster shark lives, was not a work of fiction, but was a documentary. It did have the weakest, beyond weak disclaimer, which said, Mm -hmm. some events may have been dramatized. It did not say... All of the footage filmed here is fake for entertainment purposes only. It did not say all of the still images are photoshopped and are for entertainment purposes only. It did not say that literally everyone in this, from the scientists to the people getting eaten, are actors and none of this is real. No, it did not. And then Oh, they had fake scientists? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That is low. It's 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 yeah. That is it's really bad. Dude. Oh, Discovery Channel. I am so disappointed in the Discovery Channel. Oh, wait. Channel. There's more. 
Because the next year, <laughs> sure they doubled down on it. No. Producing a sequel titled Megalodon, The New Evidence. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Now, after this... Megalodon 2, it's worse than you thought. Now, after this and after the controversy that followed, basically, mm-hmm. people were very upset that Discovery Channel had leveraged their reputation as a scientific sure. channel to put this out there. And mm-hmm. fortunately, they did learn from it since this nonsense. Um, uh-huh. They have gotten better. The last few years of Shark Week, have, especially in 2018 and onward, have gotten a lot better about doing things that are more, more science, less sensationalism. And in mm-hmm. Shark Week 2018, they aired a special called Megalodon Fact Versus Fiction, which had real scientists... Talk about how terrible and awkward the science was in the fake Megalodon documentary. So, uh, you don't want to piss off the scientists. So, Discovery Channel unfortunately has also seen, you know, with that level of sensationalism, and Shark Week is a big deal. In some markets, Shark Week ads can reach almost Super Bowl level. Whoa. Right? Like, that's nuts. So, it doesn't help with the public perception of. Sharks. Mm-hmm. So what do we do when we're being told that sharks are out there and they want to kill us and we have no chance and we should kill them first and we should definitely not feel bad about overfishing their populations and all this other stuff. So what do we do to get along with sharks, really? Because that's kind of my thing. I don't want to, like, go swimming with sharks. I'm not. I'm not here for that. No. That's not my thing. But... Why do we need to protect them? Well, because they are a top predator. And when you remove a top predator, you're going to see other things sort of balloon out of control. Mm -hmm. You're going to see fish populations that are not sustainable at all. And giant squids everywhere. uh, Yeah. Here's here's my thing. We don't really want the squid to ascend to their apex predator slot. Okay, you don't want that. We want the sharks, especially because of the Humboldt squid. So, for example, there was a really cool study off the east coast of the United States. Mm -hmm. Eleven species of shark had become basically eliminated from their range. And because of that, the cow-nose ray population wasn't kept under Mm -hmm. control by sharks and grew so out of control that they destroyed the population of bay scallops. So the scallops which had been sustainably Mm -hmm. thriving for over a hundred years, was wiped out in the course of two years. Yikes. And do you know what scallops do? They filter in clean water. (laughs) They're very good little creatures. They are. Yeah. So with them removed... And they're delicious. They are as well. So with them removed, uh, first of all, the the rays, of course, start starving to death, and the Mm -hmm. water gets more toxic and gross. No one's taking out the trash anymore. Exactly. You cannot kill the janitors. Exactly. Yep. So that's that's just one one fun little example. Not to mention, if we're going to go like, screw altruism, we just want to make money mm-hmm. on this. Sharks are worth more alive than dead, okay? So we talked earlier about how much shark fins are, are worth. Right. If you were to look at, we're just going to select one area at random, Palau, okay? Uh-huh. Palau has a huge diving industry. And, and... Yep. A lot of that is shark tourism, okay? Okay. (laughs) They calculated that every single reef shark is worth about $179,000 in tourism revenue annually. Or about one one shark, right? $1.9 million during its lifetime. Holy crap. Okay. In comparison, (laughs) if you kill that shark and take its fin... You get about a hundred bucks for it. Plus poison. Plus poison. God. Plus a neurotoxin. Yeah, that's a bad deal. Not great. That's a really bad deal. I don't like it. Okay. And finally, we don't know what the effect of removing something that's been around for 400 million years completely from an ecosystem will have on the mm-hmm. rest of the ecosystem, but we're getting a pretty good view of it now. All commercial fisheries are in trouble. All areas of the ocean are seeing these massive surges of 
dangerous sub-apex predators, mm -hmm. and the sharks are going away. So why should we save them? Because in the end, it helps us. I mean, screw doing something nice for other people. If we want to be able to use the 70% of our planet that is ocean, we kind of need the sharks to still be living in it. Sure. So. I can see that. So, dear listener, I know I've talked your ear off about sharks, and I appreciate you putting up with it for this long. Sharks are internationally protected under the Conventions on the International Trade in Endangered Species of Fauna and Flora. Yeah. Specifically... The thresher, silky, basking, great white, oceanic white tip, poor beagle, and white shark. Scalloped hammerheads, great hammerheads, and smooth hammerheads. Shortfin mako sharks, and long mako sharks. Those are all pelagic sharks, meaning those are sharks that are just out in the open ocean. And mm -hmm. uh, the fact that they are now critically threatened says an awful lot about how dangerous we've made this planet uh, for our sharks. So let's do better, people. Yeah, that's pretty awful. Let's be amiable back. Let's be now that amiable we back. Amiable. And amiable death machines. Amiable. Not mindless. They're, yeah, and they're not really <laughs> death machines. I mean, just some of them are. Most shark attacks are simple cases of mistaken identity. Again, you are far more likely to be killed by a toaster than by a shark. Toasters, the real mindless death they machine. They are, man. And. It's really hard for scientists to keep getting funding for, for shark projects to allow us to understand them better so that we can keep each other safe, both from them mm -hmm. and them safe from us, uh, when everybody just thinks of Jaws. So do, do a little more critical thinking. Let's, let's stop framing them as horror movie monsters, and let's figure out how we can, how we can think better of them. So Sounds good. That's my, my spiel on sharks. Love it. All right. Thank you. I learned a lot. Although we gave you slightly exaggerated credentials at the top of the show, we do fact-check our stories in an effort to give you the best disaster experience possible. If you'd like to read more about our sources, a complete bibliography is available in our show notes. If we got anything wrong, please let us know. You can do that by emailing us at relative.disasters at gmail.com. Or if you'd like to shame us publicly, why not use our Instagram at relative.disasters. Speaking of Instagram, hold on. This is worth it. Uh, there is an Instagram account that is at shark. And he, at, at shark? shark. And he only okay. follows one person. Ready for it? Is it Jason's dad? Nope. The musician Seal. Oh my. That is the best meta joke <laughs> that has ever meta joked. <clears throat> I like it a lot. Thank you so much like for joining us for this episode of Relative Disasters. We hope you've enjoyed the story and the discussion. And please join us next time for another strange, dangerous, and interesting event from history. My sister has selected our next disaster. What's it going to be, Ella? Uh, so this week we went underwater. Next week we're going to be going underground. Ooh. We're going to take a close look at the Kentucky Cave Wars of the 1920s and the horrifying death of cave explorer Floyd Collins. It's a double Yeah. Hit. Yeah. Oh boy, the Kentucky Cave Wars. Well, that sounds like an amazing disaster, and I can't wait to talk about it with you.